Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And full disclosure, it is 2.30 in the morning. I have slept a total of four hours in the last 48 hours. And I'm drinking wine. So I will not be held responsible for anything that happens in the next hour and a half. She just told me I was a disappointment to myself. So... Over a snap streak because over Snapchat, a Snapchat issue. That's that's where we're at today. We're starting out strong, Um, but we're in the same room. Still, we're still here. Nothing's changed. Again, full disclosure: it's twenty minutes in a really aggravating game of Wordle. 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 The four. Wordle was fine. Wordle was great. I'm terrible at Wordle, but it's Nerdle, fun. I did one of my best scores. I won't even play it. Quirtle, I'd like to die now. It's fun. I have low expectations of winning. I got three of the four. and the I got one. <laughs> I got three of the four, and the fourth one I should have been able to figure out. That's true. The you fact should. that I got the hardest one and not the one that I missed is just beyond me. You can't talk about this. This comes out like oh, that's, five that, days that, that's after. true. I got Junto, which, to be honest, did not even know was a word. Like, I, I've heard it before, but yeah. I thought it was not an English word. Um, not Bell. And did not get Bell. So, mm-hmm. I'm probably the disappointment to myself. So, do you have any fun stories for anything you've done this week? I do have a fun story. Oh, love a fun story. Um, first of all, everyone should go on Instagram and follow. Um, Very pretty. It's called Muscle or, oh gosh, I have to find it. Because it's, be- they, it is this store in Naples, Florida, which is where my brother lives. And they do sea glass art. So they have like jewelry and like paintings that are like sea glass in like pop-ups in the paintings. It is beautiful. Blue Muscle Naples. Blue Muscle Singular? Yes. Naples. And they, so they have like, see, everything's handmade locally. And so like this is um, sea glass with a mer- and a mermaid charm. I'm obsessed with Very them. Very pretty. My new new favorite obsession is this sea glass art. Oh, it's really nice stuff. Um, Can and you order online? I I would assume that you would be able to. I'm not sure because I know it is all local. I'm sure shipping is probably not like the cheapest. No, I that. Yeah, I love it. You it says group it. therapy, and it's like wine and margarita glasses, but the liquid in all the glasses is. It's like sea glass it's so pretty and then like they had one um that was like it was a painting of the beach but the boat in the water was made of sea glass and like mm. there it's just beautiful oh, I and love it um on a not promotion um fun story um i did already tell courtney this story but this is for the the viewers um i have very 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 weird luck with gps directions a few years ago i was driving to savannah georgia and there was a really bad accident 
It told me to get off and take a cut around and get back on the throughway later to miss some of the accident. I was like, awesome. Except for the road that it wanted me to get off at was no longer a functioning road. It was actually the entrance to an FBI um, base. So I literally had to pull up to the straight up FBI and be like, I'm so sorry. I just need to turn my car around. So my mom calls me today and she's like, how was your drive to New York? And I go, remember how the, the one time I had to miss an accident and it took me to the FBI? She was like, yeah. I was like, well, today when there was an accident in Washington, D.C. and my GPS rerouted me, it rerouted me through Quantico. Because why not? Because why, why not? Granted, this was a little different. It was actually a throughway exit that went through like the entire Marine base of Quantico. So like I drove past like the Marine Corps Museum and like the cemetery and the area around Quantico is gorgeous. I didn't actually go into the facility, but when it told me on my GPS to get off at that exit, I go, this, this is a joke. This has to be a joke. The last time I tried to miss an exit or miss an, like get off on the exit to miss an accident, I had to go to the FBI and now I'm going to Quantico. Like what's next? I just chuck myself into San Quentin. <laughs> I mean, that could be coming. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <sighs> so that was my fun story of the day. I um, went to Quantico today. <laughs> she told me that. I was like, I don't think you're supposed to go there. <laughs> but then there was also a big sign that was like all commercial vehicles to quantico this exit and i was like but i mean it makes sense because it's a marine base so like right marines have family members and there are like things that happen there that is not just like the military aspect of it but um yeah i have the weirdest luck with gps insane also there was two really, really shitty. There was the Quantico situation, but the two really shitty parts of my drive were the Lincoln Tunnel, which of course it was. Like, right. there's a zero percent chance the Lincoln Tunnel is going to be good at all, ever. And I got to New York at four forty-five on a Friday, so like, good fucking luck. But then the other one was on the four ninety-five, which is the um, throughway around Washington D.C. Only at the Pennsylvania Avenue exit. I was like, people are all trying to get to Joe Biden and ask him why we're going to war with Russia. That's got to be it. I can't even. I hope that aged badly and that World War III hasn't started. I really hope that aged (laughs) badly, too, because I can't handle anything else in life ever happening to me again. So... How about you? You have me? Yeah. Oh yes. Thank you for asking. I have been to a couple of shows in the past since we've talked. That's right. And one of them represent was the Here for the Booze tour, which is my favorite podcast, and that's why we drink. And it was so much fun. And I can't tell you anything about it because it's a huge secret, and you're not allowed to talk about it. Here's the thing. I totally get when and why that is necessary. Mm-hmm. Like Harry Potter, keep the secrets, all for it. I also think it's the dumbest thing in the world. We're gonna have to agree to disagree again. No, I just, I just don't get it. Like, 
But then again, I also believe that if you ask me to tell, keep a secret, I will a hundred percent keep it with the exception of five to 10 people that I tell everything to. Yes. Well, mm. maybe I'll tell you off air cause you won't go, but other people may and go and they want to keep the secret. Of course. Of course. Um, and by five to 10 people, I mean, if you tell me a secret, PSA to anyone of my friends who listens to this podcast, if you tell me a secret, there are a minimum of five people who absolutely know it. I know everything about your life. Yeah. Courtney, my friend Tyler, Ty Superfly, I love you. Um, He knows everything. He doesn't know literally a single person involved in any of the drama in my life, but he knows everything. Teresa knows everything. My sister-in-law probably knows. And if it is something I'm willing to talk to my mom about, she also probably knows. (laughs) Like my mom and dad know most of my secrets. Which is fine. Don't worry, mom and dad. I uh, sometimes don't share every detail of my life with you. And I promise they're the ones you don't want to hear. She's right. (laughs) She's right. As the person who does know every detail. 100%. But yes. So yes, don't, don't. If you go to this tour and see Em and Christine, don't share their secrets. They asked you nicely to not to. And it's an excellent show. Unless it's with your best friend and not on a podcast that's going out. Right. To- and they're not going to the show because right. you don't want to ruin it for them either. It's right. it's really good. I do recommend going if it comes to your city. And tickets were not that expensive. They were like, it was like less than $50 for me to go. Nice. So. I'm just so far behind on their podcast that none of it would make sense. I literally, no, it would. Really? I've literally. Because their, the way they did their show. Okay. Because I was like, I've literally listened you'd have to a great three time. episodes. Yeah. No, you'd have a great time. Um, I don't know if they're going to Buffalo. I don't know where they're going. They came to New York. They're coming back to New York. I mean, everything comes to New York. I know. John Mulaney has three dates in New York. I'm stoked. Of course, they're back-to-back, and I can't do any of them. Well, I wanted to see Andy Grammer, and he was the exact same guy, and that's why we drink. And I've seen Andy Grammer four times, so I was like, obviously, maybe I should pick a new new lane. Um, I am going to a festival i i'm going to this festival i literally just decided this morning that i was going to this festival i don't know anything about tickets or anything but it's one of those dumb like 50 concert music festivals is it simple plan no but it is green day and avril lavigne no and when where and how well i'm avril posted it on facebook today because we're friends, just kidding. Um, They're besties. I wish. I have seen her live once. I haven't. I haven't seen either of them live. I haven't seen Green Day. I've seen Avril once, but as an opener, not as a headliner. Um, well, Simple Plan and Sum 41 also announced today that they're going on tour together. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing a mostly Canadian tour, but they're yes. but it's called like the not Canadian okay. tour or something. This is called Firefly, and it's in Dover, Delaware in September. And the headliners are Halsey, My Chemical Romance, Green Day, and Dua Lipa. And then Weezer is going to be there, Zed, Avril Lavigne, Charlie XCX, uh, The Head and the Heart, Youngblood, All Time Low, Manchester Orchestra. Um, I am down. Do you want to like swing through and pick Absolutely. I'm trying to say who else on here that is actually like, there's a lot of people that are like smaller that I just don't know. Can I hold it? Absolutely. 
Okay. Um, I'm sure this is real. Avril's page posted it. So, okay. Yeah, it's not like a weird meme. Um, thing. Speaking of Emma and Christine, Rainbow Kitten Surprise is on here. It's Christine's favorite band. Okay. So she might be there too because she lives in her uh, in Ohio again. Um, there's a lot on here. Do, 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 yeah, do, there's do, a lot. Do. On I don't there. think I know so many. Of I do, most of them I don't know, but like, yeah. Um, but I know it's real because Avril's um, right. official Facebook posted it. I am so excited. Um, I cannot wait. I do want to do this as well. Thank you for telling me. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Speaking of shows, I went to another show this week and cried for like half of the show. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't cry for the entire show from beginning to end. Well, it started off light. (laughs) And it had like some Irish drunk dance. It wasn't Irish, it was Newfoundland, but it was basically Irish drunk dancing. Um, I went and saw... Um, I just would like to critique the way you just said Newfoundland. You said Newfoundland. <laughs> no, no, they're very particular about it being such a thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I will say whatever I want, however I want. <laughs> Calm down. Anyways, the show has come from away. In case you didn't figure out by my clues, um, and it's for those of you that don't know, it's basically about. Um, the effects of planes landing in Gander um, the day of 9-11. And they're like held up for five days. And so they don't know if their family and friends have died. It's really well done. And it's and a totally true story. And most of the people, in fact, I think all of the people who are whose stories are told, at least of the Newfoundlanders, um, they all have been to the show and are like friends with the people who played them in the original production. And it's, it's amazing. It's is Jen Kalala back in it. No, okay. I don't remember. That was five days ago. I don't know. No, it wasn't. It was Tuesday on Tuesday. What's today? It's Saturday now. It, well, yeah, but it's Friday night, Saturday morning. That's three nights ago. It's basically a week ago. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what did I do Tuesday night? Oh, absolutely nothing. No, no, I went out for margaritas. Oh, nice, yes. But Tuesday was also National Margarita Day. It was National Margarita Day, <laughs> which is why I went out for margaritas. Right. But also, Tuesday was February twenty second, twenty twenty two. It was two 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 two, which was a weird spirit day, and there was all kinds of like portal openings. So I. And I had read some tarot cards back in March, not March, <laughs> January. The month before February is January. Not the one after February. Correct. In January. And I and a friend of mine had almost identical spreads and I couldn't stop thinking about how weird it was. So then I did a spread to like clarify why we had identical life spreads and then it pissed me off, so I did three more to try to get prove my cards wrong. It didn't work, of course. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you shuffle them. When they're trying to tell you something, they're going to fucking tell they're you. They're going to tell you. You're going to know. Um, it was interesting. And um, I cannot give more detail than that at this current state. But uh, you know what I wish I could give you more detail on? Dead like me. <sighs> 
I have, we only have talked about this, but I devised a schedule for this episode. <laughs> we like talked and I, I was like, I was like, it's down. Here's the things that I want to talk about. That's all I got. And I made it with my, with my brand new notebook. If you guys want to see, I got a new notebook. That's very nice. I know that you're all thrilled. I, when I am back in my home, I will show you my new notebook. Cause I also finished my notebook when I finished that like me. So for the new mm-hmm. show, which will be announced by the time you watch this podcast, but we, we have not, not picked, we have not currently is. picked it. So I can't say for the new show, I will have a new notebook and then I will show you. Yes. You are not going to hear about the new show on the podcast until it starts. So you have to pay attention to our social media because we are recording all of our episodes. Yes, we're recording we- <laughs> the new show. Four in shit. this weekend that we're together, we are recording four episodes and then doing a live after we've recorded the four episodes. So despite the fact that all four of them will premiere after the live, nothing that happens in the live will be talked about. Yes. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So be ready because the first time you're going to hear about the new show other than on social media is, is when, when it starts. starts. <laughs> yeah. So we are doing well. Fantastic, really. So we're so on top of this schedule thing. Yeah. Speaking of things that are well and good. I was with the first segue. The second one was shit. <laughs> it wasn't great. Wasn't great. Um what were your overall feelings on the show? Just like a vague, if you had to tell someone who never watched the show before, um, what would you tell them you thought? I think it might be some of the wittiest dialogue on tv i think it is incredibly funny um despite the fact that the characters are not very thoroughly planned out their actual characterization is powerful enough that i hung on to it from the time i was a kid till now um and despite the fact that re-watching it with a critical eye i have problems I still it still holds up to how I felt about it when I was a kid I really really like the show I think that's fair I um if I were to tell someone about it a lot of the reviews I've read online are surprisingly spot on they're just not always good and bad (laughs) but like they talk about like a lot of them talk about how the characters aren't really likable and I think that's true for most of the show I think it's close to the end before we get to where we really like the majority of the characters at least. I think the problem is I'm not a very likable person so I relate to characters that are not likable. I like you. Well I appreciate that. But like listeners like you or they would listen to you. Oh you're the best. No but like you know what I mean like there's just like things that people are like have problems with the characters I'm like, no, but like, that's real people. I think I also, I don't hold fictional standards, fictional characters Mm -hmm. to standards I wouldn't hold real people to. Oh, I hold fictional standards for sure. For sure. Um, I think that once the characters are developed enough, there are some that are really well done and some that are really not developed. The consistency is much better. I think so. I agree. I think that was a huge problem in season one. And I think that's why it was so much, not that it was hard to watch season one. It was fine. It was enjoyable enough, but I think it was just not, it was not the same as season two. And that's just how it was. I thought the writing was, like you said, witty. I thought it was 
good, but unfinished. Agreed. I think if they would have followed through, um, it would have been better. And I think if they would have had, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit in a second, but like the writers, if they had John Matthews and Stephen Gosh all write the entire show. I will say in the season one wrap up, we talked about the Rotten Tomatoes score mm-hmm. of the show being a 69 and the audience being an 86. Now, season two, the audience rating went down to really? a 79. But the tomato meter, the critic rating is 100%. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, and like, let's see, score details. I think, I think I agree with that because the way the second season was written, even though there was unfinished business and there were things that we were like, the reason at the beginning it felt so slow was because they were just rewriting the entire show. Like they were changing the show in the second season like it was the first time we'd ever seen it, almost. And so I think if it would have kept going, they had set it up well. Oh, Sorry, I was just looking at what some of the critics' reviews to see what they went with it. And, like, somebody said that they think it's going to, like, back in 2018, they were like, I think the show's just going to continue to gain more cult following. Um, There was a lot of people that... I saw that 2019, too. ...recommended it. Mm -hmm. But this is probably my favorite review because it's so incredibly intellectual. Mm -hmm. There's an our town-ish aspect to the show, that crushing feeling of not being able to go back that's not totally separate from the sensation of growing up. You don't have to be dead to wonder those things as you age out of adolescence. That's true. I love that. Thank you, Margaret Lyons of New York Magazine, because that is a fantastic review. And yeah. I think if you've read Our Town, you t- that totally makes sense. Which I read it a thousand years ago probably 15 years ago but i did read it i read it less than that because of teaching no because um i had to study it for theater again like you read it in high school but then i also had to read it in college for theater stuff i wrote it i read it in my theater class in high school (laughs) so right that's unfortunately i had not unfortunately why i say unfortunately i had about 800 theater classes in college yeah no um yeah, so I think that was kind of a vague overview of what we did yeah, before we did. Definitely, dive. definitely like it. I'm not to say that I don't have problems there. There's always well, things course. that I can dissect, but I kind of sad it's over a little bit. It's uh it's been the best one so far. It's been one that I've always, even the days that I was like, I don't really want to like sit down and take notes, do everything. I was like, I'm still gonna like this show even if i started out like it sucked me in before the end of it to like my dad would get mad at me when i would stop watching i'd watch two episodes and then i'd turn it off and he'd be like we can't watch the next one i was like no i'm not gonna remember it in a week yeah i definitely think you liked it better than me and i don't know if that's nostalgia or if it's taste which had different taste in things um either could be very possible. i mean it's possible but i think the sense of humor of the show is very much my sense of humor. Oh, for sure. And I, I agree with the sense of humor of the show. I really liked it. And it's a show I would have watched on my own. And I'm glad I watched it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I just, it's not tip top for me, but it's. Which is totally fair. Good. I mean, it's good. I recommend it. If you, yeah. if you're here and didn't watch it, first of all, we're ruining everything. everything. <laughs> Second of all, 
you should watch it it's good yeah no i um i don't know i think it it fits right into that that weird like because you watch a lot of like i watch either really like sitcom comedy or really dark but you also <laughs> like most of your favorite shows that are like crime shows live in the real world of crime mm-hmm. like things like castle and like bones and like law and order like that vein of like crime shows whereas like i actually enjoyed hamakro i mean i had yeah. huge problems with it but like that is my shit like right. weird fucked up like vampire stories that also have love triangles that don't make sense right. like and I didn't hate it, but no, it's also but like, like I tried to watch it in college and didn't care for it. And I wouldn't have watched it had it not been for the podcast. Right. But like that is so exactly where like I'm like, if I shouldn't be falling asleep watching the show without having like weird fucked up like fever dreams, I probably am See, not enjoying the show. I think I just have like a really high bar with those shows, whereas like detective shows I'm a really low bar with. Like I'm going to if you give me a detective show, I'm going to probably watch it. I'll probably laugh if there's some humor. I'll have a good time. It's what I'm going to go to sleep to. I'm watching Burn Notice. It's not the greatest show that's ever existed. Yes, it is. Just kidding. No, it's not. But <laughs> but I'm watching it. It's fine. It's a, it's fine. And uh, But then I watch shows like Grim. I do love. I've been watching it, too. Yeah. It's excellent. My parents are also watching it. We're group watch. Um, but, like, when it comes to, like, a vampire or a supernatural, I love Vampire Diaries. It's one of my all-time favorite shows and once upon a time before it slung down two of my favorite shows and so like i end up liking those type of shows better than i would like the detective shows but i think i just have such a higher bar for it that i'm gonna like less of them you put them you hold them to a certain exactly whereas like i mean i've said it before i want my tv to either be so intellectual no one else understands it or so trashy no one understands why i'm watching it like that's like I, I just, my favorite thing that I have watched in the last six months is Peacemaker on HBO Max. Oh, you're talking about that? I still watched it. It is so bad, but on purpose. Yeah. And that, I think, and that's the thing is shows that are willing to make fun of themselves. I do love that. That is the, like, if you are, do, and like, lowbrow comedy in the sense of like family guy level of lowbrow comedy i'm not really a fan of see i like family guy. <laughs> so, i i feel stupider every time i watch an episode i love it it's my aunt calls it bubblegum tv and that's why i love it because whereas, i just whereas like i know that for 29 episodes straight they just shit on mason for being a horn dog i get it but never once did they do it in the same way. Right. Like, and I, I just, I was like, yes, no, he's a perv. You're right. Like that is mm-hmm. top level humor for me. I think it's great. I have, I have nothing wrong. I mean, uh, which things wrong with the show. Let me start. So again, let's rem- remind everyone. I spend most of my time with children. Right. So like, sometimes I'm not the best judge. Um, one of my students asked if below our quote of the day on the board every day. We could also have um, a section that just says big rat facts where we just write facts about rats. I like it. Because um, 
my coworker, Nate and I, we just say facts about everything. And then it turns into big facts and then the kids are obsessed with rats. And so then it turned into big rat facts and I don't know why, but that's the thing now. So in our classroom, we have big rat facts. I love it. I would be honored if you would like send me rat facts. Absolutely. I love it. I have to find some, but when we come back from, I'll send you rat facts. Perfect. When we come back from winter break, we're adding big rat facts to the board. I love it. Um, Um, Yeah. So so moving forward. uh, Yes, you're good with that. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to kind of combine these next two sections um, for time's sake. Um, I want to talk about the writers, the writing, and then I want to talk about the shift between the writing when Brian Fuller was there and when he left. So, well, I will say from my experience with Brian Fuller's work, because Dead Like Me is not the only of his shows that I have watched and really, really liked. I think Brian Fuller and I have a similar problem. And that is that we are very, very good with coming up with scenarios and interesting concepts and ideals without the follow through. Because in all three of the major shows that Brian Fuller has created, they were conceptually amazingly unique, so good. And they were Dead Like Me, Picking Daisies, and what was the third one? Dead Like Me, um, Pushing Daisies, Pushing Daisies. and Wonderfalls. Wonderfalls. That's the one. And they're all phenomenal concept pieces mm-hmm. that they either needed to be a film rather than mm-hmm. a TV show, or he needed to go into it knowing that character backstory and dialogue were not his strong suit and he did not Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all three shows suffered because of that i think that the producing team who were for the most part our main writers because i think stephen gotcha he was the executive producer but i also think that he was the at least co-writer on at least half if not more of the episodes in season two i think it was almost all of the episodes in season two yeah. and then a few from season one too. Like yeah he was probably in his like one and a half season of the show right? yeah he i think that he took a phenomenal concept and ran with it mm-hmm. and i think he did great stuff i think he gave us so much more in terms of the characters but I do think because it wasn't his idea to begin with, there are plot holes that just never quite get filled in a way that like, I know we, everyone hates her, but JK Rowling, if you ask her anything about any character from the Harry Potter universe, even if it has never been written in a book, she can tell you, she knows what that character's grandmother's favorite color was because that is her world that she exists in now she has been known to change what she initially thought to appease people which i think is which i think is stupid dumb. i think it's dumb to appease anyone i agree especially as a writer it's yeah too hard but i mean like even the thing with dumbledore being gay mm-hmm. it was never mentioned in the books it was never necessary yeah. in the books. 
and it and the undertones the things that she points out as ways that you could have seen it were definitely there right that was always in her mind it didn't have to be in the books because it wasn't relevant right. to that story whereas obviously in the um crime in the uh fantastic beasts saga it's very relevant right. to that story but but that was there i'm sure before she even wrote the grop part of the hagrid story the issues with his mom being a giant and abandoning them were always in her mind like it, it that's just when you when these characters are a part of you the facts about them always exist and those universe holes like J.R.R. Tolkien knows knew before he passed every detail about every land in Middle Earth. Like that's just what you do when you build those worlds. And so because our writers for season two didn't have that intrinsic knowledge, there were obviously Brian Fuller is listed as a consultant for the whole show, but there's only so much you can create for yourself. Right. And so there are things that were introduced early in the show that then didn't follow through that were mm -hmm. frustrating as an audience member, but they were the kinds of things where if this had always been Steven's baby wouldn't have been there to begin with. Right. And if they had all, if the show had continued to be Brian's would have been addressed, but we probably wouldn't have gotten some of the other stuff. We wouldn't have gotten the development the same way, which I think is, Better. Shame because I agree. I agree that, like, as as an author, it feels like a terrible thing to say to take a story away from the writer. And I I get that. I do. I'm sounding like a terrible person, but when you are such a like you were saying, like, a, such a concept artist, such a concept writer, you have to know your limitations. Oh, and that's and that's and, the thing for me is like I would never I would create a world and give it to someone to write. Right. I could, cause I know that I could never fulfill what is in my head. Mm -hmm. And see, that's my thing is like, so as a writer, my, you know, my positive aspect is that I'm really good with knowing characters and making it feel like, you know, the characters mm -hmm. too. And, um, I mean, I'm working on development here and there, but the characters are who they are. Mm -hmm. They sound the same the entire time. I miss out on scenery. Like, I'm I'm good at writing scenery and making you feel like you're in the place. I just forget to include it in my story. And so like, that's why I have critique partners. They're there to sit beside me and say, we don't know what this looks like. And you've been here for 20 pages. Like someone has to know where they're sitting and like, you can't have the same thing over and over or like you missed a step here. This doesn't line up, even though it's like in my head and I'm like, oh, this A plus B C or whatever. Then like, but you didn't but put the I didn't plus put it, B. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you don't put it in the book, they don't see it. Right. And it's the same thing with this TV show is like, you needed to have Stephen Godshaw, Brian Fuller, John Massius. You needed this whole group of people to work together. Because, and that wasn't going to happen. And that wasn't going to happen. And that's the problem with this show. And it's still a good show, but it's missing. But I mean, the background, I think, and never meshed with the development. And I think again no disrespect to brian fuller and what Absolutely he's created yeah. i would prefer to watch a show 
that has the Mason and Daisy character mm. arcs that we had than to ever actually have the question answered about their faces. Right. I absolutely agree. I think that was an unnecessary plot that was included in the beginning. Which, but I, I don't, it's hard to call it unnecessary because I don't think it was in the original concept. Well, I don't think so either, but I think... Because if you remember in season one, the early parts of season one, the first five episodes that were entirely Brian Pollers, right. how many times did George go back to her parents' house and interact with them because they couldn't see her face? In the I'm original saying... concept of the show, it wasn't unnecessary. It's just that the show grew beyond the initial vision. Right, and I think if they would have done it differently, maybe it's the way it was produced or directed or whatever, maybe if they would have cast George as the new face and then had the Millie character be the original George because she was only in an episode here or there. And so like, if you're seeing pictures of her, they're all this other person instead of trying to change her just here. I fully understand your point, Mm -hmm. but to the show's credit, I think the point of being attached to George as the main character, which again, we weren't, Mm -hmm. but if it had been a different person than before she died, it wouldn't be the same emotion. Like I think the emotional point of, of us still seeing her lost in this world and like scenes where she's talking to her mom and it's her and everybody Mm -hmm. can see that it's her except her mom. Like, I think that that's a bigger emotional pull. I could see that. And I think maybe if they had written George to be a more likable character, one that we had like more connection to, maybe it would have played off that way better. And you, you I know, wonder, I think where it's at now. I wonder though, after reading that review about the, the our town feeling mm-hmm. of it, I wonder who the target audience was because the show's obviously it's a showtime show. The, so it, is not vulgar. <laughs> it is vulgar. It is vulgar. Um, But who is it targeted to? Because like I said, when I was younger and I watched it, I liked George a lot. I think George is a very relatable character if you are a teenager who is unsure of yourself. Once you reach that point of adulthood where you have yourself figured out, she's much harder to understand or to relate to because she doesn't have anything figured out. Whereas Mason and Daisy had things figured out and then got fucked over and had Mm -hmm. to like trauma cope and it's a different growth than George's like genuinely still not having ever grown up. That's a very valid question because it seems like it seems like the target audience would be older teenagers. Yeah. 16 to 19 maybe. And I think but but I think that they would get George better than like I do. Well I think they would too, but the rest of the show is targeted to a different audience, I feel like. Well, and that's and that's the thing. But also, I don't think it was in the beginning. I don't think so either. I think if we compare season one to the end of season mm-hmm. two, I think it is very valid that the target audience shifted based on who was watching the show. I think that's I think that's true because we didn't even have I don't think Brian Fuller wrote on any episodes Daisy was in. I don't remember he made No, he didn't. No, he, he didn't write he, on any he, of them. Yeah. No, he um his and Rebecca's leaving mm-hmm were not entirely unconnected gotcha yeah because i know she was a much milder character than daisy and not in a way that was like 
she she wasn't she had a big personality still oh absolutely but she was better for a younger audience Can whereas I, Daisy's better the, for older here's the here's the real issue mm-hmm. she didn't have any problems mm-hmm. she was a happy person yep. when she was alive she died in an accident and she just continued to be okay yep. whereas none of our other reapers is that true yeah mason is still battling the demons because let's be honest his he has an addictive personality that goes beyond substance he's battling all kinds of demons that he can't figure out and Mm -hmm. addiction is the manifestation of them right daisy is massively traumatized roxy can't form relationships because her only friend in life murdered her Mm -hmm. rube is has to work a job where he tells everyone to let go of everything and yet can't himself. Mm -hmm. Like we're dealing with some of the most classic manifestations of human trauma. Right. Like in a way that is not boring, but to be honest, addiction, um, sexual promiscuity, um, hypercriticalization, um, complete walls and boundaries. Like you're dealing with literally the most common, mm-hmm. um, personalities that go along with trauma. Yeah. And so, um, Betty doesn't fit in that yeah. world. And I don't know that it was ever intended to be that world, but that's right. where it was. And that's what made them interesting. I agree. I think in the beginning it wasn't because George was supposed to be the main character. And so like these other people had issues, but like, I don't think they, even though it was on Showtime, I don't think they would have gone as deep into Mason's sexual promiscuity like him. And like, they made a lot of like jokes and stuff and they would do some, I mean, I know. I mean, I mean, they did, they did in the beginning too, but. I think it became more, and I mean, obviously it became more with Daisy and we get into, you know, domestic violence and all this other stuff. Well, we get into domestic violence, we get into religious trauma, mm -hmm. we get into domestic, or like, um, we get into sexual abuse, we get into, um, obviously drugs are talked about from the beginning, but suicide, um, serial- And drugs do get darker. I mean, we have the rock star. That's a much different scenario than just Mason being addicted. Right. So, like, it was written as a lighter show in the beginning, for sure. But, and also, like, if you watch Brian Fuller's other shows, like, Pushing Daisies is so, like, bubblegum pink compared to where Dead Like Me ends up. Like, it's it's not even, even, like, the dramatic dark stuff is not. not. And see, that's how it felt like in the beginning. Like, it definitely felt like it was going to go in a more comedic. And it was funny. It wasn't that it wasn't funny. And it was, was never, it was never, comedy, but I think, I think it was always intended to be a tragic comedy, like yeah. comedy based on tragic situations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why the deaths early on, and even in the beginning of the second season, mm-hmm. when the other guys were still trying to find what their version of the show was, were so farcical. Yeah. Like, I think the last, the last ridiculous death in the show is Tripp's dad. Nothing after that is crazy. That's true. If I'm remembering correctly. I think, no, I think you're right. 
So I'm trying to think. But I also think that that's not not on purpose. No, for sure. I think because that's the moment that George has to accept that she's actually dead. And that's the moment when shit gets real. And also, like, when you go oh, that dark. Just kidding. The window falling on Gavin DeGraw was pretty fucking oh, messed yeah. up. Yeah. Never mind. I thought I had a theory. No, I think the rest lines up though. And I think it's with one of, I mean, with this type of show, if you're going to go dark, you have to build. So, I mean, they had to come from somewhere. And I think Gavin DeGraw was a little bit of levity thrown in the middle. Like, I don't But even that, it really wasn't because the death itself was still still farcical, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was Ray fucking things up and doing it wrong and ruining Daisy's reap. That was the important part. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it still was darker than it had been in yeah. the other ones. So, like, it definitely was just a buildup. And then it just, I mean, I can't only imagine if they had gotten a season three, how I, far it would have gone. I don't know how to go far. I feel like we went pretty far. Well, but. I mean, I think you kind of go as dark as you can to change people's minds about how dark the show is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you're already in that world. And you don't necessarily have to do anything like drastic to be like okay this is the world we live in now and so you can touch on those things and go more into why the characters are the Mm -hmm. way they are um like i know for a fact and i know that i knew this at some point i re-watching the show it's never in the show i don't know if it was mentioned candidly as a joke and then like early on and then we forgot about it but or if i don't think it's in the movie because it's also not on his wikipedia like the character wikipedia page rube was a bank robber that's where he was going that's how he died and that's how he got all that money that's how he got all the money for his family but how he died was that day when he said goodbye to his daughter he went to the bank and he died. Rube Sofer is actually based on Rube Barrow, who was one of Al Capone's cronies. It's a real person. Oh. Um, but he's a bank robber. Like that's why he had a gun. That's what he was hiding from his daughter. That's why he has a wanted poster. Mm-hmm. Our main fucking character of the show is a straight up criminal and it's never addressed. No. And unfortunately, even if there had been a season three, it never would have been addressed because Mandy Patinkin wanted out. Right. And also, like, it would have been so easy to address it because you had all of the stuff with Mason stealing things. And- well, and that's, think about it. Why is he so much harder on Mason not getting his right. shit together? Because he couldn't either until mm-hmm. he had no choice. And he's hard on George for not letting go of her family because he can't let go of his family. And so, like, I get it, but they never told us. No. And that's the problem. And I think it, I hate, I hate when you have to have everything in black and white. Like, I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay that like, first of all, fan fiction is a very bumping industry, but like, I think it's okay to have interpretations. I think it's okay to be like, well, I think they did it because of this. It's okay to have shades of gray to characters because that's what makes them relatable and human. But there's too many pieces that are missing. I agree. Because it's, and I think it's along the lines of like, 
it makes it like such a big thing that needs to be shown that they don't show. It's one thing if they never gave us anything about Rude, never showed him anything but this paternal but they teased it. Figure. They teased it in episode two from the beginning, and then we never got this. enough. Exactly. But and I, so that's the problem. But I also with think, it so open. um, and you had talked about this earlier in the season, and I sort of agree with your complaints, but not because I think that, but I, because I think that the writers fucked up. Mm-hmm. And that is Clancy's character. I disagree that he never should have been in the show. I do believe that making him useless was the laziest writing you could do. Mm-hmm. It basically got down to the point where audiences didn't care for him and only related to Joy and Reggie. So instead of either A, making him a bigger bad guy and actually having him turn out to be a bad guy mm-hmm. or giving him anything redeemable they just wrote him out because they didn't know what to do with him and that's lazy but they didn't write him out because they couldn't they ju- just kept bringing him back and i'm like you well can't. a contracts right and b i don't think it was fair to have a father character who was not a bad dad like he was a bad a lot of things but he wasn't a bad dad right. and then to just be like okay we don't need him anymore and I think even because that's not fair in a no. way to healthily rep- recognize family trauma, which they did for the most right. part, for the most part, the most accurate and healthy depiction of anyone in the show was how much Joy and Reggie could not communicate their grief yep. to each other because they were grieving in such mm-hmm. different ways that were so hard for them to understand. I think a good fix for Clancy would have been if they had a compare and contrast with Rude because they're such different people and that would have helped pull out Rube's backstory too. That would have been a, that would have been an opening yeah. to give flashbacks to no, his. No, and I because don't... they are both father figures to George, I mean, they're one and the yeah. other. I think it would have been a good I don't know exactly what you would have done. Right. No, I, I like, that's, that's the thing the, is I don't, I don't know what the correct right story to fix Clancy is, but I think what they did was not what I think it was one of the things that I can truly say was just lazy. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that there are things that they didn't quite answer, but it wasn't laziness. They tried to like give things mm-hmm. that made like, for example, and I talked about this on Sunday that I was going to go into my theories on this. And I know we have moved a little bit away from writer and writing. Nope, that's but, where I'm moving to next. Okay. Is what are some of the loose ends that are not tied up? I think that somewhere toward the beginning of season two, they realized they have all of these miscellaneous secondary characters that are too connected to the reapers to be oblivious but they can't just know the secrets because then why wouldn't they have known the whole time right so they started to write in weirdness which i don't completely hate right but i think needed more development and i think would probably have been a major portion of season three mm-hmm. obviously dolores is just fucking dumb like love her we love dolores yes she is dumb george's family has to be oblivious that's kind of the point right kiffany was all of the sudden in the 
third to last episode revealed to be a psychic who knows everything, which I think is a great mm-hmm. explanation. I also think that it opens the doors for anyone with any kind of supernatural abilities to not see through their disguises, which gives way to the fact that Crystal knows everything. Yeah. Which we have thought had to be true from the time that she was helping them with the ledger. And then in the finale was kind of confirmed by the fact that she saw George's face and wasn't surprised and wasn't surprised and still called her Millie. And then her looking it up on the computer was a super good Easter egg for Crystal's thread for season three. And see, I don't think that that's one of those storylines that they even have to 100% wrap up. No, I don't think they have to. I think, think I just think that it's so intriguing. And I think that they could have started it earlier. I I think that it would have been a great direction to go for season three. And I think that what ideally should have happened was that there needed to be a third person, mm-hmm. which that wasn't connected. That wasn't, that wasn't connected. That figured things mm-hmm. out. Like Reggie's a different story. Cause that's right. the family story. But I think that Kevin being psychic and everyone being aware that she's psychic crystal kind of feeling like she, she might know more than she's letting on. And then in season three, what needed to happen was that there needed to be a third newly introduced secondary character who had more information And that would introduce the concept of people who are supernaturally inclined, but not reapers who are still on the same plane. And it could have also opened the door for what George's connection to the Gravelings in the first place was. I agree. I think that would have been very interesting. Um, I'm right in season three. You should. Because uh, that's that's the, the biggest thing that bothers me to this day. And again, I have not seen the movie. So if the movie does answer this particular question, I apologize. Why could George see the Gravelings as a child? Because I obviously understand that the Gravelings appear when people are close to death. And both of the times that they explicitly showed her seeing the Gravelings mm-hmm. were she was about to die. But... If you remember back to the very first episode when Rube was explaining everything to her, she was not shocked or surprised to see the Graveling that dropped the piano on the girl. She just assumed that it was part of their group because she has always been able to see them, not just in moments where she was in danger. I And that's why she was the fucking weird kid who was obsessed with dead animals and looking into people's houses because she could always see death. And that is A the most interesting part of her entire character and be never discussed. I absolutely agree with that. I think that is the biggest, the biggest wasted opportunity that could have been between that and Rube. Those are the two biggest threads that never got closed. And I think, I still think that the reason she can see them is because reapers can see them from a young age. And I just think that's a part of the world. And I know that's not explained, but it's not not explained. It's so that not, is my biggest prediction so, as to why. And I think that that is the easiest way to close that loop. Mm-hmm. I also just don't think it's true because, because like I said, I watched the show when it was on. Mm-hmm. So like when season two ended and season three was canceled, 
I was also part of the people who didn't know that season three was canceled. And there was this energy about the show that very much was that George is something different. Okay. George is something special. That's why Rube immediately, like, obviously we know he's a very paternal character and blah, 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 but like, he's older than all of them. Except for maybe Roxy. No, even Roxy is not old. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a very, but like, Daisy has every bit the same damsel-esque characteristics that should make him treat her the way he treats George, and he doesn't. But also, she's been a reaper for a lot longer. So by the time she got to Rube, she Which is true, which is true. Reaper, yeah. Um, but there's also just things about what his relationship with death is, why he's the leader, how he gets the post-its, mm-hmm. and and his fights with death in the early beginnings. We first of all never got the answer to the post-it note he left for death about Betty. Nope. Which I get that we were never going to get Betty back, but that's something that would have been a, at least interesting to have addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it was addressed in a way that like death straight up ignored group, but yeah. like it was never even there's, there was, I remember there being so much hype about why George was different mm-hmm. and why she got special treatment and why she wasn't, berated the same way for fuck ups and like there was something different about her and i know that the gravelings was part of it because that's literally the biggest thing i remembered from yeah. the sh- from the show when i went to rewatch it and rewatching it i'm so disappointed because everything i remember being built up is there but not the way it should have been yeah i wonder if that was a like crowd discussion hype up more than a show maybe but also remember 2004 is pre-social media being a part of every tv experience yeah but it was still i mean it was a prime tv experience time so if you were talking to your friends about it but it was always on showtime that's true too like that's the thing is and i don't know anybody else who watched it yeah so like the hype had to have been like commercials and like you know what i mean it could have been too like it's like I mean, and my dad was always an internet person. Like he probably has the first email address that ever existed. Just kidding. But like (laughs) he, he had like, even when I was a kid, he like ran a computer parts recycling company. Like we've always, he had email back when he, like he, he was on Facebook when only college students were on Facebook. So I'm sure that there was more online part of my life than I really knew. Yeah. Plus 2004 is like the beginnings of. Yeah, like I probably had a face uh, MySpace, MySpace shortly after that, but but like the way people talk about TV on the internet now, like Reddit, Twitter, that stuff that wasn't no that was part that was not a part of TV watching experience. So I don't I don't know how this hype was built up. Shit, it might have just been built up between me and my dad. Like to be completely <laughs> honest, we could have just made all of this shit up because we this is how we watch TV. I say. We bring that to Reddit and we ask our Reddit friends. Let's do it. Because they always have such good theories. Um, What are some other plot lines that you remember that didn't get wrapped up? I'm still trying to figure out how I know that Rube is a bank robber because I know that I know that. 
And that was one of the things that I remember when I told you that mm -hmm. I wanted to read you something that was on Reddit, but I couldn't because we didn't know the answer yet. It was about it does Rube being a bank robber have any effect on how he has income now because he clearly doesn't have a job. So how is he paying for anything? Yeah. But then they didn't tell me. So you could have told me because it didn't. Yes, but I didn't want to spoil the bank right. robber thing because I thought you thought they told you they told you, yeah. but they didn't. So I don't know how I know that. Um again, maybe it's in the movie and I'm just an idiot and I'm just spoiling everything for everyone. You know it's fine. It happens. Um, um so Rube Rube, just in general, that is a big question mark. Mm -hmm. Which to be fair, Mandy Patinkin is not in the movie. But right. I do know for a fact that the movie does address Rube not being there. That's good. That's because because could you imagine if they fucking didn't? Look. <laughs> I can't say I'd be shocked. <laughs> I can say I would hate it, but I can't say I would be shocked. Um, yeah, so that I think my other storyline that I feel like kind of got left behind and forgotten about was Daisy's. Because we get a lot about her life. But we're still missing something. We are. We didn't I, find out about the domestic abuse with her sister. We didn't, assuming it was with her sister and not her, we didn't figure out why she knew Gravelings came out of people. We didn't figure out. We don't actually know why she was kicked out of the New York office. We don't know why she was kicked out of the New York office. And we don't know why. I mean, aside from the like generic, she had sexual like prom promiscuity. And she was in the Hollywood world. We don't know why she wasn't able to fall in love or find someone to love her. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's just like the life she lived or if it was a I reason. I think it's a little bit of that. I think there's obviously a lot. I think that there's the whole, like, whatever happened to her sister was fucked up enough that she never let anyone close enough mm -hmm. to love her. Um, but I, and while I agree that all of those things need to be addressed at some point, I do think that. Daisy at least had enough of an arc and a development that I can believe that that's where season three was going. I 100% believe that. Yeah. And I think that if we had a season three, all of that would get wrapped up or at mm -hmm. least like 95% enough of it would yeah. get wrapped up. I don't remember what we're talking about. <laughs> Daisy storyline. Yeah. So I think I'm not as mad about her loose ends because I see that as no, a work in progress i'm not mad about them i'm just bringing up the things that haven't been answered and i do feel like you know i mean she is in the movie so yeah that's true a lot of it will probably be addressed i think there. the character i'm the most disappointed in how they dealt with them is actually surprisingly none of the characters that they didn't give a backstory to because like that sucks but right. it is what it is I'm disappointed in Mason's development and then regression so many times. That's, I think, the hardest thing for me because, like, they show every time that he, like, learns something and gains something and becomes a better person. And then, lol, just kidding. He's still a skis ball. Yeah. And I think they did that because they realized that they need that dynamic. Yep. That's and exactly if they had completely gotten rid of his fuck uppery, they wouldn't have a fuck up. Mm hmm. But why does every show need a fuck up? I don't know. And why couldn't it have been like, I mean, they have plenty of people that are like the people that die. Yeah. That are screw ups. And like, but now I'm trying to think of like, yeah, like every show has a character that like that is 
their defining thing Mm -hmm. is that they like fuck up but they're the quote-unquote comedic relief i was gonna say i was gonna give credit to a show that took their fuck up character and actually made it a really good character and then i remembered that they um fucking ruined my life what show was this crazy that me oh i mean because are you caught up on crazy Anatomy? i'm like three or four seasons behind well, then you don't know what. Well, because Alex Krepp is the greatest example mm-hmm. of taking your first season fuck up, unlikable, shitty character and giving them so much backstory and development and growth and, and perseverance that they then become people's absolute favorite characters. Mm-hmm. But then Justin Chambers decided he needed to take a break from the right. show. And so they had to write him off. And they chose the absolute fucking most Did garbage they, like, way to send him to jail or something. No, I, I wish. I fucking wish. The way that they wrote him off <sighs> absolutely destroyed 14 seasons of character growth. Like, not 14 episodes, 14 seasons they just were like eh, fuck it i hate it i'm i'm just like i was like i was going to give them credit and then i remembered that they did that but like so ignoring season 15 and on just the first 14 seasons of Grey's anatomy alex's character shows that it's possible because then by the time i mean the thing with that show is that there was always a fuck up because every time that there was new interns, right. there was the ability to have new fuck ups. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't get that dynamic. I don't get, like, I don't have a friend that is always fucking up. Yeah. I have Monica. Just kidding. God bless. <laughs> I love you, Mon. Um, no, but like, I don't, I don't hang out with a group of people where we're like, well, that one's the shitty one. <laughs> like, that's not real life. No. And like, yes, you have the whole, it's a family dynamic versus a friend group dynamic and every family does have one. But even then, no, like none of my siblings are f- complete fuck ups. If anyone's in my family's the fuck up, it's me. You're not. No. And that's the thing is like, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm the one who like, dyes my hair blue and runs away to a different country instead of getting an adult job and like lives at home and drinks wine on YouTube for a living. So like, that's okay. But like, I mean, that's the closest thing to a fuck up. Right. And I'm still a pretty intelligent and capable human being. So like, I don't know why it's not possible to have the fuck up just be like, sure. Sometimes he snorts Coke and drinks a little bit too much, but like he doesn't. Dolores. Right. But he doesn't have to then become a bad person again. Right. Like he gains these moments of clarity and like wants to be better and does better things and like gives away his house and like decides to get sober. And then they're like, eh, that's kind of boring. Let's stick a bag of crack up his ass again. Like it's like, why? <laughs> yes. I don't got it. I agree. Um, I think the biggest developmental issue for me was, I mean, was George. And it's only because she was meant to be the main character. 
had she just been a supporting role, I think her development's fine enough. I mean, she she does learn, she does grow, but being the main character, you have to have the biggest impact on the show, and she doesn't. Like her development, yeah, she doesn't change enough. She doesn't learn enough. And, but again, I think that it's the same problem as the Mason issue, where she does have these episodes where she mm-hmm. gets huge lessons. And then the next episode, it's like it didn't happen. So it's not even that she's not growing. It's that they realized somewhere along the lines that they were bordering too much between archetype and real. And if they got rid of the archetypeness of it, they wouldn't have the same comedy dynamics. And because that's the thing is, in comedies, characters don't grow. Mm -hmm. Like... That's not entirely true across the board, but think about, you could watch an episode of season one of The Office and an episode of season seven of The Office. And other than, actually, I don't even know if there's seven seasons. There are. I was like, other than the (laughs) fact that some of the interpersonal dynamics have shifted with like dating and stuff like that, a Michael Scott joke in season one and a Michael Scott joke in season seven, standalone jokes. Are going you could interchange them a hundred and fifty percent. Very true. Because comedy is based on archetypes. It's based right. on stock issue like images of what people are like. And <laughs> my uh, bachelor's thesis was on comedy. No, um, because the the distinction between comedy and drama is if you feel bad. If someone slips on a banana peel, it is funny. If someone slips on a banana peel and gets hurt, it is not funny. If someone you don't like slips on a banana peel, it is funny. If someone you care about a lot slips on a banana peel, it is not funny. Like that's literally the line is how much do you Mm -hmm. care? And when you're doing a comedy that is also a tragic, like a tragic comedy that is so close to the line, it's very difficult because that's the thing is we care about Mason. Right. These jokes at Mason's expense stopped being funny when we started caring about him. Mm-hmm. But if he followed that growth, we would continue to care and then they wouldn't have a butt of the joke anymore. Right. And that's why I a think this whole concept works better as a film because then characters can grow by the end and have the Shakespearean happy ending mm-hmm. without any drama but I also think that that's why they keep resorting to the day one archetype because they realize every time they give growth, they lose potential comedy. Yeah. And so I'm not agreeing with their choice. I'm just understanding Mm -hmm. how and why it happened. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating because I don't, at the end of the day, I don't think the show is a comedy. No, I think they think it's a comedy. I think it's billed as a comedy, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a true comedy. I think it is a comedic drama. Yeah. And that is the difference because comedic dialogue can always be funny. Comedy relies on stock characters. And I think that that's one of the problems. It's another problem where I think they may have gotten lazy in the writing is they just always turn back to Mason as the butt of the joke. If they wanted to, they could have written in more they could have elements. They could have. And they also, it's also unfair because as Daisy grows, like, yes, there were some times where they 
Roxy was making fun of her and her cross thing. But as Daisy grows, everyone kind of grows with her. Mm -hmm. Mason's growth doesn't get to be included because then there's no one to other. Right. Because that's the other thing about comedy is there has to be the separate. There has to be the different. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to do that is Mason because he's, A, he's got the funny accent. Yeah. Um, he, he's got the drug stuff. He's got the dirty stuff. He's like, he is the different one. So yeah. it's easy to other him and make him the butt of the joke. But that's. I also think that had the show kept going, they may would have shifted gears based on how the season <sighs> ended because they started making it more about George and Mason's friendship. And he was less of the other then. That's true. And I wonder if they would have reevaluated but to play devil's advocate they continuously gave him the most difficult mm-hmm. and emotional reaps and the most to grow from and then never let him grow so yes. i don't know that i trust them to do right by his character yeah. because daisy had the most growth Right. So why weren't we giving Daisy the super emotional triggering reaps the whole time? Mm -hmm. If we were focused on Daisy's growth, fantastic. But you can't, you can't, basically what is going on in the show is that there are two different stories, Mm -hmm. the Reaper stories and the personal stories. And the two teams aren't working together. No. And I think that, like, by the end, one of the reasons I think they might would have changed how they wrote the characters in their development yeah. is because by the end, it seemed like they were less they fighting were, to make it They were becoming more cohesive. And they, like, didn't... And I think that's when they true. started making it really dark, they stepped away from it being so much That's true. Um, Ray getting murdered and a serial killer, like, killing a, a child on Halloween is not really funny not really comedic it's and they also thankfully didn't attempt to make said right funny and i think that was because because kind of that's the other thing them. is like this the the guy who shot up the office building they made that a joke yeah i didn't think that was right. a joke but no. they made it a joke and so there was a part of me that was like they're going to make a joke out of a serial killer mm-hmm. they're gonna actually make a joke out of a serial killer and they still did it in a less like intense or suspenseful right. way than other shows would have, but they at least didn't make a joke out of it. Exactly. So, yes. And I mean, it was the same thing with the domestic abuse and the violence and everything. Like it, it yeah. definitely like leaned to, into it and didn't make it yeah. comedy. And I mean, that's important. If you're going to write a show like this, you have to know where yeah. to draw the line. And I think that the writing was shifting so much yeah. that it may have turned into a new show. I mean, it turned into a different show the second season. Yeah. I think it would have gone a different way the third I season. I agree. Um, just shortly, quickly, back mm-hmm. to the face thing, because I just keep thinking about how much this bothers me. Rose immediately recognized her father. Yeah. Which, you know, she could have just had dementia and recognized his voice, whatever. She was old and dying, senile. I'll go to her. On Halloween, Crystal recognizes Mason as the same person who's been in the office the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
Daisy is only recognized by that old man who clearly is a regular in the diner on Halloween. Yeah. George is recognized (laughs) by Reggie and Crystal on Halloween and not by Reggie elsewhere, but maybe by Crystal. Like, it's, I don't care. I like the idea. I like the ho- idea of the Reaper legend and the Halloween thing. I agree. I think I think it's good writing, mm-hmm. except that Rube is inconsistent, and George's face being George's face versus Millie's face is used as a p- convenience rather than a strict universe building detail. Right. And. When you were watching the episode and I was trying to fall and I was trying to sleep, I remember thinking as I was falling asleep, how does Mate Crystal know it's Mason? Mm-hmm. Like I get that she has whatever theory she has about George and Millie. Fine. But she would only have that theory if she recognized Mason as the same person with both people, but then his face doesn't change. And then like, so why doesn't his face change or does it change? And she just sees, I was like spiraling. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't, none of this makes sense. I, I agree. It's, I think that's probably the biggest inconsistency in the entire show. Like there are other things that I would like to have learned more about, but that one is just unnecessarily inconsistent. And I get that they can't say from day one of the show's premise, it would have made zero sense if George still looked like George. Right. Because then she couldn't, she couldn't have been there. Like, it, none of the mm-hmm. show makes sense if George still looks like George. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. But then they all don't look like themselves. And Halloween's the only day. And you get rid of everything else. Right. So, I, I agree. Um before we get into predictions, I'd like to share where our stars are now. Oh, how they're doing. That's great. Um, Ellen Muth. Um, she runs a coffee company. No, we don't know where she is because in 2019, I think yes, it was, yeah. she shut down the coffee company. And now you can only get it on eBay, which makes me nervous because it's not from her. Well, yeah, I wouldn't buy coffee on eBay. And uh, I really wanted to buy you coffee for the DNA Awards. Oh. And I tried really hard to find it somewhere that wasn't eBay. Yeah. But, I, like, they have a Facebook page, and it was, like, shut down in 2019. Like, people still comment, and they're like, I wish you'd come back. So we don't know where she is. She's not running her coffee shop anymore. Oh, that, that's um. Hard. I hope she's well. Ellen, I hope you're well. I think, I'm sure she's fine. She probably, she didn't want to be an actress anymore. And then so many people only bought the coffee because she was mm-hmm. from Dead Like Me that she probably was just like, I'm cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Callum Bloom, some of his recent stuff, he's still acting. Yes. Um, but he does not have social media. No. He has no social media. Oh, good to know. Um, one thing I watched him in that I did not recognize he was the same person because he looks different now, um, was Royal Pains. Oh, yeah. He was a pretty, like, consistent character. Yeah. No idea they were the same person. Um, I'm obsessed with him. (laughs) Yes, we are aware. Um, His most recent show, I I couldn't figure out how many episodes he was in, 
but he was in blind spot um, oh he was a recurring character but not like only in like maybe half of one season or something right. like it wasn't a ton it wouldn't tell me exactly what it was but it didn't look like he wasn't like a main cast yeah means. so i don't know which episodes he was in but that was 2015 2020 but fun fact, um, he was also in a show called The Secret Diary of a Call Girl with Billy Piper. Yes. Oh, believe me. I, I know I about no that idea. one. Have you watched it? Yes. Is it excellent? It, it is raunchy, but yes. Um, I've met Billy Piper. I know. Yeah, I love her. She makes some interesting shows. She does. Um, yes, but no, he was in Secret Diary of a Call Girl. So was Matt Smith. Oh, I need yes. to this show out. Yes. I'm going to find it. Um, Laura Harris. So Daisy Day. Um, she retired in 2016. Yep. But don't fret. She's back. Oh. She started acting again in 2021. And she was in a movie called Gone Mom. And she's been in this TV show called Scary Cats. She's only been a few episodes of Scary Cats, but it's like a newer show. Scary I Cats. Show. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure that's like a Disney Channel show. Yeah, I think it's a kid show. So she's in that and she was in Gone Mom um so she's back who knows what she's gonna do so that's mm-hmm. fun um mandy patinkin obviously mandy patinkin what he's doing currently is stealing my heart on tiktok every day yes um we have talked a lot about what he's done he did a lot of theater work and with steven sonheim he's done criminal minds um fun fun fact he was in the secret garden that is the only play I have ever auditioned for. Oh, I did not get it because I was, I didn't know how to audition for a play. And they had us all up on stage and they had us sing happy birthday. And happy Okay. That is actually very frustrating to me because everybody acts like happy birthday is a song that everyone knows, but happy birthday is incredibly difficult to sing correctly. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> I understand it's funny. You are welcome to laugh at me. But I was like, okay, you just sing happy birthday, fine. But then they start going down the line. I'm like in the middle. And they start singing with all these like highs and lows and really like professional voices. And they're like, happy birthday. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I was just going to sing like a normal person. Never done an audition in my life. So I have no idea what I'm looking for. I'm like 13 years old. Yeah. And so I tried to like sing. I mean, I have musical talent. I'm like in a band. So I like sang this like really pretty version of happy birthday and i was like that is the weirdest thing i've ever done it was it was not i don't um, know who got I, it it was not me i don't i hate whoever asked you guys to do that because i don't think that a i don't think that happy birthday is an easy song to sing and b if i'm having you sing something at an audition and i'm having everyone sing the same thing what i want is for you to act it and i have never met a person who looks fucking normal trying to act happy birthday that's exactly how i felt <laughs> so i was like i don't know what's yeah going no on. so i'm with you on that one it's i completely strange. uh hate everything about and that, that was it we didn't like read a scene we literally just say happy birthday and they cut it down to like five people who didn't re-audition like i call back which is fair because usually so like when i did the musicals for the musical auditions yeah. for the middle school musical we did all just singing the songs from the show first that's fine, and we though. said and we did it and then we took the kids because we said from the beginning these kids are young enough and the show is easy enough 
Because, I mean, it's Willy Wonka. The kid, mm-hmm. All the characters are pretty archetypal right. characters. We're like, the kids are young enough and the show is easy enough that I am, we are much more concerned that none of them will be able, like, I don't want to cast a kid who would act the shit out of Charlie Bucket and not be able to sing a note of that mm-hmm. show. So we did all of our original call uh, original auditions singing only and no one read shit until callbacks well that's fine which is fine but you but we take songs from the show did, yeah we did show songs from the show or and if and with older kids like a lot of times people don't want you to do audition with songs uh-huh. from the show because they want to see what you come up with right for yourself which also is which fair. is fine but then you give them a vocal range like right. saying something if you want to audition for this character we need a mezzo soprano so sing something that is in this vocal range or this vocal style but also, like, sorry, I didn't watch Secret Garden because I wasn't in it. But it's not a musical. Yes, it is. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I've only read the book, so I wasn't sure. Yeah. But no, Um, my college put it on, I think, the a year or two after I graduated. It's not a great musical. Some people love it. I don't particularly care for it. I like the book. I love the book. I don't know anything about the show. Um, but um, yeah, so that was my one. That was my only theater experience, but that was the only one I auditioned for as an actor. So uh, I didn't get it. Um, is he working on anything right now? Yes, actually. Yeah. He has a new movie coming out called The Magician's Elephant. It is to be announced. It is not decided. To, there's no date yet. Right. Um, so I don't know what it's about. Um, right. And he is currently working on The Good Fight, the TV show, which is oh, yeah, so The Good Wife. I forgot that he was in The Good Fight. That is Fight. his most recent show. Um, do you have an addition to this? Uh, I don't. I do not okay. the last time that he was supposed to be on Broadway was the um, scandal that happened in 2017, Um, which it was not, he was involved in it, but not on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was this musical called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, he was announced as playing like the, the father role, like the lead role. And I freaked the fuck out. And for my friend Wayne's birthday, bought us tickets. Natasha and Pierre had tables that were on stage mm-hmm. in the show. I bought tickets on stage, like spent a fuck ton of money. Then like two days later, this whole thing came out that when they approached him and offered him and asked him if he wanted to do this, like, eight week engagement or whatever, six week engagement in the show, they made it seem to him, the production company made it seem to him as though there was an opening, like a temporary Mm -hmm. opening. And they wanted him, they were offering it to him. What actually happened was that there was a permanent cast member that they basically told Manny Patinkin will sell more tickets than you. So for these six weeks, you're out. Mandy found out and was like, that is atrocious behavior. That is not how you treat actors. Fuck you. I'm not doing your show. And he pulled out. Also, everyone who bought tickets specifically to see him, including me, asked for a refund. Because I was like, it's, I, I'm sure the show is great. People who I saw, who yeah. I know saw the show, loved it. I've heard music from I've it, and it, things I've heard it, music yeah. from it, and it's not bad. But I didn't pay six hundred dollars, right, to sit on stage with not Mandy Patinkin, right? 
Um, so they lost so much money from the people like anger refunding and people who weren't even seeing it for him who were just appalled at their behavior refunding that the show closed. Like wow. the show closed before because Mandy quit, the original guy quit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then before they could replace him, they lost so much money that the show closed. And I don't think he's been back to the New York stage since then. No, his last theater performance, I think, was in like 2013, 2014. Yeah. So he has not been on stage in New York. Like he was supposed, that was 2017, I believe. And that was, and he was like, yeah, mm. fuck you. I don't blame him. Um, he is very active on TikTok. Um, he makes me cry a lot. He and his wife are the cutest and they've been married for like 50 years. They're so sweet. Um, I read something else about him that said he's really hard to work with, but he's the one who said it. Oh yeah, no, he, he is. He's very, very difficult to work with because he takes himself and his yeah. acting so fucking uh -huh. seriously that a lot of people who have worked with him don't care for him as they all think he's an amazing human. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who have worked with him do not enjoy working with him and would like to never do it again. But yeah. the number one person who says that is him. Right. I thought that like, was so funny. I was like, I was, I like went to like Google him earlier to like get my notes on him or whatever. And I looked him up and I was like, Mandy Patinkin is hard to work with. And I was like, what? And I clicked on it. And then it was like, says Mandy Patinkin. And yes. I was like, oh, okay. Like, um, he was only on one or maybe two seasons of Criminal Minds yeah. and then he got replaced, but because he was an ass to work with. Um uh, but like it's it's because he just like everything else he does, he takes it so seriously. And he he is a good person. And there are other people like Stephen Sondheim loved him. Yeah. Stephen Sondheim thought that nobody understood his music the way Mandy did. So like there are people. Right. Right. Um, so I could talk about him forever. She could, so we're cutting her off now. <laughs> um, next is Cynthia Stevenson. Joy, yes. our sweetheart. She's actually still doing some stuff. Um, little things here and there. She's like in like one or two episodes of a lot of things recently. Yeah. She was in a movie in 2018 called Baja. No idea. No idea. That was her last movie she's been in. But she also was in like five episodes of How to Get Away with Murder. And yeah, she, she was, was in one episode of The Good Doctor. Um, my sister. So when we first started talking about the show, A Dead Like Me, I said something about Cynthia being the mom in everything and how she was the mom in How to Get Away with Murder, which my sister had started watching. But had Is not. she at the beginning or is she at the end? I haven't the watched end. the last She's season. in the last season. No, she's in like the fourth and fifth season. I don't know if I've seen her yet. Okay. Don't But I'm not ruining anything. Okay. But so Brianna, obviously. Hi, Brie. Um, she, Brie calls me one day and she goes, I vaguely remember you saying at the beginning of Dead Like <laughs> Me that she played Connor's mom in How to Get Away with Murder. And then I got to the part where we meet Connor's mom and I was like, hey, that's Joy. <laughs> and I was like, Ah, I know I said that. I feel like I've seen Connor's mom. Maybe I have it because I don't remember seeing her in the show. But she is only in five episodes, so yes. Um, most of them are in the last season. This is one of my favorites. Oh boy, Jasmine Guy. I love Jasmine Guy. So she's in something called Open that was in 2020, and then she's in a movie called Harlem or a TV show called Harlem from 2021. Do you know? Who else she played? 
in a show that's very popular with both of us? Because I did not until I read this earlier today. I I know her and I've seen most of her things. And so now I'm, but the way you're looking at me, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. She played Graham's on Vampire Diaries. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I did know that. I had no idea. Absolutely. No, she played Graham. I was like, I was like, well, I don't know which one you're talking about. Because, like, I know Jasmine Guy originally from um, a show that she did in the 80s. Which one? Um, She was her, it was a different world, I think is what it's called. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She plays Wheatley. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which she deliberately plays the most annoying fucking human on the face of planet. And so I used to think she was really annoying because I would watch her in that show. And then when I started watching Vampire Diaries, I was like, isn't that Whitley? And my mom was like, see, yeah. I had no idea they were the same person, but I haven't watched Vampire Diaries probably in 10 years. Mm. So like, cause I watched it while it was out. So oh, like, I didn't. I've, I've really watched it while it was out. <laughs> and then, uh, so I haven't seen it in like 10 years. And so I didn't remember it. She looked different, obviously. Obviously. Like grandma. And so I read that earlier and I was like, she is. Um, so I watched, I started watching Vampire Diaries early enough that it wasn't finished. Mm-hmm. So like the last two or three seasons I watched live, but I never, I didn't watch it originally. I actually didn't watch it until I watched the originals. I watched the originals See, I haven't first. finished the originals. I watched yet. the originals, the first season of the originals first and then was like, this would probably make a lot more sense if I knew what any of them were talking about. <laughs> so then I went back and watched Vampire Diaries. See, I read like the first book of Vampire Diaries mm. and that's where I got started. I read the book after, mm-hmm. but it's so different that because I was already so into the TV show. I don't show, even remember the book now. It's it's because not bad, it, but because I was so into the TV yeah. show, I didn't like it. Well, because I liked it's it. Different. I watched the show because I liked the book so much. So I mean, I liked the book, whatever happened. I just don't remember. because Right. So no, but I mean, it's one of those things where like, If you watch the book first and then the movie or and then the movie mm-hmm. TV show is different, you're like, that's so annoying that it's different. Like, I remember um, a friend of mine, uh, like back in the day, her and I had gone to see Paper Towns. The movie. I haven't seen it still. I read the book and loved it. Well, but here's the it. thing. I've never read the book. I've never read any, oh, any John Green oh, books. Oh, I love John Green. Never read any of his books. Highly recommend. If you haven't read John Green, I... Definitely recommend. Honestly, I kind of enjoy that I haven't read any of them because his brother cracks me up so much on TikTok that I I kind of enjoy being part of the I only know Hank Green fans um, side of things. Although (laughs) you could probably you might get to each of his books because looking for probably not looking for Alaska. Paper Towns was really good. Looking Paper Towns. Paper Towns. If Um, based based on how I felt about the movie, I would be willing to use that at school. But um, obviously there are a few. There's, I mean, there's tons of differences because always, but there are a few major differences actually. And she was pissed. We left the movie and I was like crying. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a good movie. She's like, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. And I was like, did we just watch the same mm-hmm. movie? And she told me everything that they had done wrong. And I go, okay, but cinematically that doesn't work. And I was like explaining the things I'm like, and this, I can see how both would work, but I like this choice better. I think it, and like, just because I study TV and right. movies so much that I'm like, I totally get it. But like, there are just some things that don't work well visually. Right. Like, 
even like simple things like Tonks and Harry Potter in the movies, she's not nearly as shape shifty as she is in the books, but that's what have cost a fuck ton Mm -hmm. for not a lot of payback in the way that the movies existed. Mm -hmm. So the things that were different about the paper towns movie, I thought were fine. Were compared. I thought that they all were logical changes for a film. Mm -hmm. Yes. See, I am really good at this one thing that like I taught myself really to do because I love TV and movies for different reasons than I love books. Mm -hmm. And so I pretend like they're completely different when I go in. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes they go together and they're great. And there are sometimes like I, the Hunger Games series, Mm -hmm. I have one complaint. There are so many things that are different and so many things that about the movies that are genuinely just shit compared to the books. Right. I have exactly one complaint that is like, I think a legitimate complaint. The placement of the break in the third and fourth movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think that makes sense. I, yes. That's my genuine, like, fuck up the movies all you want. Change all the characters that you changed. Give them all the personalities that work better for the movie. Mm-hmm. Fine. That just logically didn't make sense in how it played out in the movies and in the books. Yeah. That was, that's it. Yeah, I I agree. And so, like, I, I, like, I would not, like, I remember that Vampire Diaries was different reading it and watching it, and I was not upset by it. Right. Because I can, because I know how to separate it. Yeah. Like, they're two different art forms. I mean, I mean, they both have writing. a book series about Dead Like Me? I bet it would be phenomenal. How much detail could you go into these people's lives? Let me lives? call Brian Fuller and see if he wants me to write for him. Listen, if we can get the character rights to do that. I would do that. If you write Dead Like Me fan fiction, send it to us so we can vet <gasps> out who can help us write this yes. series. I'll bring you on as a ghostwriter. Actually, I'm gonna look that up right now. Is there dead like me fan fiction? We have like 10 minutes left in this episode. Okay, no, we'll do it later. I'll we'll do it later. Okay, we've been on for a minute. Um Britt McKillop. Um she grew up so hot. She did. She is 31 years old now, so she is like our age. Yeah. And I know, she always was. Because right, right. we were 12 when the show came out. Right. And uh so she's in a country girl group. Yes. With her sister called One More Girl. Yes. I've never heard of this group. I, I was in a country. I have never heard of them either, but my dad and I, my dad one day was like, Do you know? Do you remember? He like saw something about her and her sister online and was like, Is so her that sister's also an actress? Yeah. And her, and my dad was like, Is that is that Reggie? And we like pulled up and we were looking at it and I go, She got hot. Like she wasn't an ugly child, but no. they, they made they deliberately made her so awkward on purpose. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think like kids are awkward, right? And like in her thirties, I'm like she's a babe. Yeah, and she's still acting. Yeah. Aside from singing, she was the last movie she was in was 2018 Daddy's Girl. I, did not see I also didn't see it, but she's also the TV main role for Lego Jurassic World in 2019. Oh yeah, she does. Vo- she did a lot more. Does a lot of voice acting, and she's Princess Cadence for My Little Pony. Yes, As I was gonna say I did. I was like, gonna say I did know that she does a lot of voice acting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, Greg Keane has not done as much as the others. His last film was in 1998, Logan's War, but he was in a show called Legends of Tomorrow in 2021, which I've heard of but never seen. Legends of Tomorrow, like the DC Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, 
I guess it just had legends of tomorrow. My, I'm sure my dad's watched it. I know. Yeah, I mean, so. I I've watched it, but I don't. I haven't. I'm not caught up, so I don't know. This is another favorite thing of mine. I do want you to have your phone for this. I'd like you okay. to go to Instagram. Okay, hold on one second. I'm just trying to see who he was in Legends of Tomorrow because I that means more to you. While she's doing this, everyone else oh, also pull out your first and go Beeman. to Instagram. Who's Bert Beeman? I don't know because I want everyone to look up this address. What? On Instagram. The screen name, I guess, is what it is. But we're going to be here for a minute, apparently. Oh, my God. Sorry. No. He... His character on... Mm -hmm. That is his character on um, Legends of Tomorrow. He looks so old. He does. He just looks very old. Oh, and his status is deceased on the show. He died. (gasps) Um, Well, spoiler Spoiler alert. I mean, his character was in, his character was in one episode and he died. Oh, well, so. that's fine. Yeah. All right. Okay. Instagram, are you ready? I am ready. Type in at. Yeah. You don't Mocha? have to type in an at. M-O-C-H-A. Yeah. 